Welcome to the Wise Podcast, hosted by me, Kate Conway, and kindly sponsored by ID Verde. They are the UK and Europe's leading provider of grounds, maintenance services and landscape creation projects. They actively engage with social enterprises to build them into their supply chain. I'm delighted to say that today I'm joined by Richard Good from The Turnaround Project. So Richard, uh, The Turnaround Project um, does a lot of different things. We do. You do? We do. Why don't you tell us, sort of, give us an overview and then we'll kind of peel back the layers a bit. Sure. So, um, we have two goals. Uh, the first is to help people who are serving sentences in prison or in the community to turn around their futures. And the second is to encourage people in the wider community to uh, find out about those journeys, uh, learn more about the challenges people face when they leave the justice system and find ways to engage and support people on those journeys. And we pursue those two goals by three things. We provide transitional training and employment opportunities in our own social enterprises. We uh, provide a strength-based coaching model of support for all of our transitional employees. What's that? So that is a weekly coaching session with somebody who helps the guys think about where their strengths lie, um, identify the gaps, uh, think about what goals they want to achieve. And for some people that might be something very modest, like um, uh, learning to drive. For somebody else, it might be something much more ambitious about uh, or, or, or ambition in a different direction, like go, going back to college or going on to university, whatever, whatever that person's individual goals might be. Um, uh, and that involves a weekly coaching session. Um, and then the third area of our work is developing inclusive, supportive communities of people, some of whom have been through the justice system, some of whom haven't, but who volunteer together, engage in voluntary activities or social activities, learn more about each other's journeys and find ways to support them, themselves and others uh, uh, through that shared community. Okay, that, that, that's definitely quite a lot. So we'll, we'll dig down into that. So how did this, how long has Turnaround Project been going? So we were formally constituted in August 17. We've been operational. We're now into our third operational year. Okay, so still, still, still a baby. Still a baby. Essentially, but obviously this all, um, whenever I first looked at, at the website of Turnaround Project, in, in my, sort of in the back of my mind, I thought it was, this was something the government had set up, but it wasn't. It started with a thought in your brain. Yes. So I, I worked in government for six years before... Uh, working with a group of other people to set up Turnaround. And it struck me that while a lot of work had been done during those years from 2010 onwards to uh, reform the prison service here, um, mm -hmm. and uh, and that pro process continues to today, but it's been, been a very successful process, less focus was being put on the challenge that we as a wider community face in terms of supporting people as they leave the justice system. So no matter how good the prison service is or how good the probation board is in terms of supporting people while they're in the justice system, there's a huge challenge for people as they leave the justice system and move back into the community. And that's the that's the challenge that the Turnaround Project was set up to, to, to address. So talk to me about that challenge then. So they, they leave the justice system and they're living in an apartment or a house or whatever in a community, what, what are the challenges? Is the, the way people perceive them or...? Yeah, so there's, so there's a, a mixture of challenges. So the, the justice system um, uh, is made up of people who are 
disproportionately affected by mental health, by substance abuse issues, by challenges around housing, uh, by uh, 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 educational history of educational challenges and employment challenges mm -hmm. and so on. So when you talk to employers about giving people an opportunity who've been through the justice system, the kind of employers we talked to said, we are very happy to give people opportunities. We've given people opportunities in the past, but our experience is that very often people simply aren't ready for a conventional employment environment. So, okay, so that, that in the past, and that would have people who had just left the justice system and then just started a job without a yeah. So, so, so transition, as you so, say. So, uh, take somebody who served a sentence in prison. Um, by its very nature, being in prison means that things are done to you and for you. There isn't a lot of opportunity in prison to do things for yourself. Um, so self-management skills are, are stripped away from people. Um, so in terms of what time I go to bed and what the, the basics. All, all of those things. Mm -hmm. So you, somebody else cooks for you. So you don't have mm -hmm. money to manage. Uh, you don't have bills to pay. Um, so all of those kind of self-management skills are lost. Um, and particularly for young people, they leave maybe a home environment and then go to prison. And when they leave, they've never had an opportunity to develop those skills for themselves in the way somebody else might have. Mm -hmm. So so employers would talk to us about people coming with very low self-esteem, high levels of anxiety about being in a conventional employment environment, about colleagues asking you about your past. You've lost those self-management skills. You're not used to working. In some cases, people may never have had a conventional employment opportunity in the past. And yet we expect them to leave prison on a Friday look after themselves over the weekend, turn up for work at mon on Monday, Monday morning at nine o'clock, work a full day shift, work a full week shift, manage their finances and so on and so on. And for a lot of people, that's what's for some people, that's fine. But for a lot of people, that's just not realistic. It would be overwhelming. So uh, overwhelming is yeah. the term that, that, that is consistently used. Yeah. And uh, um, particularly for people who've served longer sentences, the world moves very quickly. So uh, we've had people come in to work with us in the last year during the COVID pandemic, who obviously went into custody pre-pandemic, came out of it in the middle of it, and suddenly the world has changed. You think of the, the changes we've all experienced mm -hmm. in the last year. Think mm -hmm. of how much more of a shock that would be if you hadn't been living in the community through all of that period. So, I mean, that's a that's an extreme example, but that's a consistent story down the years of people managing that transition. So it's a huge kind of emotional transition. It's a big financial challenge for people. Um, and uh, so we try to create a transitional employment environment that helps people uh, manage some of those challenges. We employ people before they leave the justice system. So people, if they're in custody, they come and work with us on day release for a number of months before they complete the sentence. So that during that period of transition, where everything else is changing in your life, you've got one constant, which is your employment relationship with one of our social enterprises, your relationship with the coach that has been built up for weeks or months before release. Um, and we do other things. So. People typically work for us a couple of days a week because for a lot of people, that's as much as they can cope with initially. We pay a weekly paycheck to help people manage their finances. Um, and, you know, if people need time off to see a probation officer or to register with a GP or sort out their benefits and so on, then we're a more flexible employer than conventional employers are set up to be. And then over time, we're trying to support people to apply for conventional jobs and move move in that direction. Or for some other people, it might be that they want to get through that period of difficult transition and then go back into education and we can support them to do that. So that's that's what we're all about. Okay. And so what kind of jobs? What are they doing? So we run uh, two enterprises, uh, one of which is much more established than the other. 
It's a grounds maintenance enterprise called Outwork, and we deliver mainly commercial contracts for uh, organizations like Alpha Housing Association, Belfast International Airport. Uh, we've started doing subcontracting work for ID Verde. ID Verde. ID Verde. <laughs> um, uh, and all of those relationships have been great. Um, our other enterprise, much less established, is Big Loop Bikes, which uh, was set up on the back of conversations between students at Queen's University and some students serving a sentence in Hyde Bank College. Uh, and it saw us working in a workshop within Hyde Bank, collecting bikes in the community, refurbing them in Hyde Bank and selling them at pop-up shops around the universities in Belfast. Um, lockdown meant we couldn't operate within Hyde Bank. Uh, so we've used the last year to relaunch Big Loop Bikes, which we'll do in June and July of this year. Mm -hmm. And we'll continue to refurb and sell bikes, but we'll also be able to offer, with a community workshop, we'll be able to offer uh, bike servicing and repair. We're going to offer bike leasing to students at Queen's University. Um, we have some other ideas in the, in, in the, in the bag for, for further development of that enterprise uh, in due course. So, and that allows us, by operating the community, it'll allow us to do that through the gate model that we do with our grounds maintenance enterprise. And it'll allow us to start to offer transitional employment for people rather than just volunteering activities. And what can you give me some examples of the the impact that you've had? You know, in terms of people who've come through the turnaround project and then kind of come out the other side. Then, so there's uh, there are uh, two or three examples I could give you. Um, the example of one young man who joined us while he was serving sentence in Hyde Bank. Um, he home for him was Enniskillen um, and uh, defying a lot of people's expectations when he was released from custody he continued his relationship with us so he would travel two days a week on the bus from Enniskillen to Belfast it's about two, hours. two hours each way uh, to do a day shift in our grounds maintenance enterprise um, over time he his ambition was to go back to college so we got him into an entry-level program with uh, a further education college in Oma um, and then when when the pandemic hit, uh, the travel just became impossible for him. Um, and uh, but he was able to continue his further education journey from from that point on. So that transitional period of uncertainty for him was provided for because of his relationship with with Outwork. Um, for another uh, one of our crew again, who joined us from Hyde Bank worked with us post-release. We've now employed him on a permanent basis as one of our supervisor's assistants. Um, so he's now in conventional employment, mm. albeit within our own organization. And then you have other people who, who join us and uh, we're, who are currently with us as transitional staff, and we're now supporting them to start to apply for jobs in the conventional uh, environment. And they've moved from a position where two days a week was enough, as much as they could cope with, to a place now where they're asking me, can we work five days a week and can we apply for other jobs? So we're starting to see that kind of dream that we had of people going on that journey the whole way through and moving on into conventional employment starting to, to be, become reality. And our hope is that those people will remain part of the turnaround community, if you like, mm -hmm. uh, on an ongoing basis and use their experiences then to support other people coming on that journey behind them. And what is it about turnaround that's working? What, what is it about the project that um, that call, has that impact? What do you th what do you think it is? What's the, I, I the essence of it there? I, I think it's about creating space for people to uh, 
kind of change their own self-identity. So you, um, uh, people, people are people are given labels, and people create labels for themselves. So people leaving the justice system will often talk about, um, you know, getting on a bus and being worried that everybody in the bus knows that they've been in prison, that they've done something that uh, led to them being in prison. Uh, the reality is, of course, probably nobody in the bus knows them from anybody else, uh, or if they do know them, you know, uh, don't hold any grudge against them in any way. But people have this kind of self-identity. And an opportunity like turnaround, like working one of our enterprises, like putting on a uniform, you go from being that person to being a grounds maintenance operative, to being a colleague, to being a breadwinner for your partner or kids. Uh, it, it helps people shift their own identity of themselves. And for the wider community, it shifts identities too. So we've experiences of um, people drawing up in a car and asking our grounds maintenance crew, who do you work for? We've watched you work. We're very impressed with the work that you're doing. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we, we'd like to offer you the opportunity to work for us. Uh, and that's uh, and that opens up a conversation with that person and then they discover, oh right, so these guys have been in the justice system. Gosh, I never I never would have thought when I saw them working that that was their background. Now, somehow the idea that you've been in the justice system means you can't work. Well, that's just a perception that people have. So, so the model is, is helping people change their own personal identities of themselves, but it's also shifting community perceptions of people's identities who've been through the justice system. And, and the reality is a quarter of the UK population will have been through the justice system at some level, whether it's, whether it's from a speeding fine to a lengthy prison sentence. Right. You know. mm. So 25% of our population have some experience of the justice system. And yet somehow we think of people with that background as being other, as being different from ourselves. But the reality is walk into any supermarket and employees in that supermarket will have been through the justice system. Um, and uh, and yet we put labels on people. So that's part of what we're about. Mm, so it's about removing the labels, both internally for them, thinking, you know, it's that negative self-chatter as well. It's mm. just, it's, it's overwhelming for all of us, but then, you know, as you say, in, in that situation, it must be much worse. But also as we look at those people that we're not, um, as you say, labeling them yeah. in that way. So for you, um, a turnaround project, obviously uh, you're young, you're, um, you're, you're moving forward. What would you like to see happen? Like, what would you, I mean, in terms of connecting with other organizations, other people who can, you know, open doors or whatever, what, what do you, what would you like to see? Yeah, well, I mean, so our second goal is about encouraging people individuals or organizations in the wider community to engage with people on that journey. Um, so we have developed really strong partnerships with a range of organizations. I'm thinking of Queen's University, who have partnered with us around the bike enterprise uh, and who are providing us with premises for the relaunch of Big Loop Bikes next year, uh, next academic year, um, uh, and who engage with us to help us develop our models. So we've had academics from Queen's University working with us around that. Think of organisations like Allen and Overy, the law firm, uh, or PwC, who have lent us the expertise of some of their employees to help us develop as an organisation, whether that's project managing the relaunch of our bikes or, in Allen and Overy's case, helping with our IT system. So there's practical ways that organisations could help. There are opportunities for organisations who have grounds maintenance spend uh, to think about whether they would like to use some or all of that spend 
to achieve a wider social impact like Alpha Housing do and like ID Verde are doing and, and the International Airport. Uh, and then there's opportunities for individuals to become involved uh, in a volunteering capacity and that might be around helping with our coaching model. It might be uh, working in our bike workshop, helping us to strip and rebuild bikes or collect bikes. Or it might be somebody in the community who has a bike in their shed uh, that they feel guilty about not using and we can remove that guilt by letting them there donate the bike to lockdown us. lockdown bikes bought so that lot, might need a, a new home. Lockdown bikes mm -hmm. and uh, I, I doubt there's a family in the country that doesn't have a bike sitting somewhere in a shed or a garage that, that's gathering dust um, and we can refurb that and put it to good use. Mm -hmm. Great. So if people want to contact you um, th directly or through Amanda, what, what do you... So you can find us, uh, Google The Turnaround Project or... Uh, turnaroundproject.org you'll find our website and all the contact details are there you can give us a ring or fill out the form on the website and we'll happily get in touch brilliant that's great thank you so much thank you next week i'll be chatting to dave from madlug thanks again to richard good from the turnaround project and also to id verde our sponsor if you're a social enterprise and you'd like to find out more about opportunities to work with id verde please contact amanda at social enterprise ni